Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Like that, but um, that's the thing. Walmart has had all these years and they've got tons and tons of resources to catch up. And I mean, no one I worked with at Amazon was ever courted by walmart.com, you know? They waited about six or seven years and then they hired Mike, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark Laurie. And then we're, is he even in charge of, of that operation? I mean, what's going on with their online presence? It's, it's so far behind. Amazon doesn't feel like you have anywhere that you're really going to go. Right. Right. For at least six or seven or eight years. And if yeah. that's the, the monopoly status that they have, then everything could change in six or seven or eight years. They can't worry about something that's almost a decade away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes so sense. If anything, they see trends in terms of how they can build their own brands based on the data they've learned from you, based on buying and selling trends that they've observed 15 years and counting in the marketplace. Eventually they're going to have more successful brands than they have today. And yeah. then they'll start eating their way through sales by independent sellers year over year. And then as, as you look at the big picture, they're going to start eating their way more through overall retail, global retail, never mind just e-commerce. Um, and they've got the fulfillment centers and the warehouses to do it. And, and the headcount, they can just keep adding, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Yeah. And, and, and they, they also, you know, uh, <clears throat> we, I've talked about this a lot before though, but honestly, I, I really think that, you know, there, there's, there's some serious opportunity out there for somebody like Facebook or even mm. TikTok or somebody like that yeah. to go in and buy, you know, say, Hey, we're going to buy UPS or FedEx or whoever, or partner mm. with them or, you know, whatever, and then spin up a marketplace, make it, you know, actually have some customers, you know, some, some seller support, uh, actually have, uh, you know, easy processes on how to get stuff online uh, charge a reasonable rate, you know, all these things mm -hmm. that I, I wouldn't think... they use automation though. Wouldn't they be kind of using the same tricks in terms of, I mean, think of it on a seller level, like people start using VAs more and people start using automation. Sure. More. Sure. Yeah. yeah, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't any company do that at this point? Well, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. But I feel like it, so if you're, if you're building an e-commerce platform today compared to when Amazon was built, uh, just at the core, you can literally go and cherry pick all the best processes from like, just for example, ShipStation, right? Like we use right. ShipStation all the time. It's by far, like, imagine if Amazon had a shipping interface like ShipStation, right? Like, you know, to me, I, I think with really smart acquisitions and building a platform from scratch, that you could really kind of reinvent uh, e-commerce. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only that, look at the Chinese. Some of the stuff the Chinese are doing on their their platforms is unbelievable. They have tons of automation, but it actually works because they're right. you know innovating at a speed that you know we used to be the innovators. Now you know China is starting to to eat our lunch when it when it comes uh, to innovation because you know they they fail fast, right? They've they've really kind of embraced that mentality of fail fast, try stuff, see what works, see what doesn't go back to the drawing board and then relaunch and, and just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. I think what you described is what's going to happen instead of 25 people that are quickly reviewing seller performance appeals and deciding to reinstate or not, you're more likely going to have five people who are better trained and maybe even have been there for a few years, at least making some decisions and the lower level stuff's going to be automated. And I think 
Andy Jassy is probably looking at doing shrinking those teams a little bit along those lines too. That would be my guess. Um, can you do that feasibly and do it right and do it effectively with this kind of marketplace related? I mean, investigations can partially be done with automation, but there, you still need some analytical thinking. <laughs> now, the problem with Amazon is they've been training seller performance investigators to be robots. So if you're going to just make people into robots, you may as well just use robots and use automation. That's going to be their argument. Well, we're getting the same bang for our buck with automation versus having people that we actually hired, which is kind of an excuse for them to make. But, yeah. um, but that's true. They've actually taken, they've watered things down, whether it's communication, like I said, SOPs, tools and creating new tools and how they're used. They've watered down the training and, and all of these things to the point where they really just have, you know, people kind of taking quick looks at stuff, making a quick decision, maybe based on real information, maybe based on um, bits of information that don't form a whole and then moving on to the next one. And they're just kind of turning them into those um, you know, robotic approach <laughs> vehicles. Yeah. And they're yeah. not thinking intelligent people who are like, this seller has been on, on the platform for six years. Right. This seller's only had a couple of complaints out of 10,000 orders that said the item was used, sold as new, or the item wasn't authentic. That's, you know, they have way less than 5% return rates. So they use all this data, but they don't interpret it and analyze it correctly. And they don't retrain these guys to do it that way. They do it quickly. They don't do it responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. They And I don't want to, I don't want to bash on them completely. Like they've had some wins. I mean, the, the, you know, the seller, um, the seller feedback tool is mm -hmm. actually pretty decent. I mean, they automated that and and actually it offloaded a lot of work for sellers having to go mm -hmm. in there and manually do that. That being said, it's not perfect. And if the the AI makes a mistake, they it's almost impossible to open a ticket now to say, wait a minute, the AI got this wrong. Right. So once again, I mean, I absolutely think that that it's doable. But the way that they're going about it, like I, I want to go back to the analogy of the autopilot, right? Like that's mm -hmm. that's pretty much you know uh, seller feedback on autopilot. But there still needs to be somebody, there still needs to be a, a thing that says, okay, I want the you know this isn't quite right. You guys got to fix this. So, I mean, you know how how they get there, I'm not sure. the The growth here is insane. Um, I completely agree with you that the, their filtering system is to you know take the cream of the crop in terms of you know people getting shipments out on time, people answering customer service on time, mm -hmm. people, you know, not sending new items, you know, all the stuff that, you know, people like me, we've done for years. So it's not a big deal, but somebody starting out, it's, it's, you know, some of the people I consult, it's like, they didn't even know half the stuff exists, you know, like, like brand registry and, um, and GTI and right. ex exemptions and, you know, all these things that are available on the platforms, just like there's, there's, you know, there's no help. Yeah. Um, and they would, of course, turn that around and say, nobody reads this stuff before they start selling. They think they're going to learn by doing. And of course, they're not hospitable to that. If you learn by doing, you're going to make mistakes and get suspended. And then you're going to blame them. You know, that's how they view it. You're going to blame right. them for things you should have done. Right. So and you're going to say they're overly punitive. So, I mean, I do tell people when they're starting out, like, have a thick skin and be ready. You know, hold on to your seat because they they are going to be punitive with you they are going to be disciplinary minded they're not going to be customer friendly towards sellers anytime yeah. soon they might say they're interested in doing that when they're when they're testifying in front of congress but short of that 
they're going to keep doing things the way they like to do them. And if you don't like it, they're going to say you can leave. I mean, that's their attitude. Yeah. Um, they don't admit that, you know, in so many words, but that's the, the public representation that we see. And they don't audit the quality of investigations anymore. If they do, it's not in a significant or meaningful way. They might say they, might say they audit randomly investigators who are reading your POA, your plan of action, or looking at your appeal. But is it in a way that appreciates the fact that you're suspended and you've been down for three weeks? And it probably could have been one week if somebody read your plan of action the first time. No, of course not. Right. Um, that's the major, and, and who knows, we have an incoming CEO. We, we should be hopeful that there are improvements. We're not sure we can expect them, but maybe there is some fresh blood coming in, somebody who will understand that it doesn't make sense the way it's currently working. And they can't blame you. Like you went to your PPC manager. Obviously people hire us to escalate things. Probably more than 50% of what we do is just taking, not just writing an appeal, but taking somebody who's stuck and getting their appeal in front of somebody meaningful. Um, those workarounds wouldn't be necessary if it was done right the first time. That's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, I agree with you. I am hopeful in terms of, like I said, I'm a software guy, right? And, mm -hmm. and there are some great solutions that I think that they can do. I mean, <clears throat> even you like the, the request to review tool. The yeah yeah absolutely I mean, that's I mean been fairly well received so that's yeah kind of absolutely positive. I mean like I yeah. said they've they've done some some positive things, uh but you know number one that I think they they are you know they're they're not concentrating on the right things right I mean to me mm -hmm. uh one of their biggest issues is listings it has been for years I oh, mean yeah. just to get a parent child relationship up I mean finally you can do it via the UI now but I mean for years that was like I mean I probably logged you know three months of my life just on Excel sheets, trying to fix parent child relationships oh, and, you know, early on. I mean, it, it's an absolute mess. You're a hearty soul. <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. <laughs> I, that's, you know, like I said, that's probably one of the least favorite things I've ever had to do in terms of the Amazon business. Mm. Um, and back then it was so new that it was even hard to find people to know how to do it. I mean, yeah. but the other part of the problem is, is, you know, I got on the phone with a client the other day and I had to literally step the agent through the Amazon UI to get them to the information that we, we needed them to see. He was trying to yeah. send books overseas and part of them, you know, through, uh, through, uh, you know, seller fulfillment and, uh, it blocked. You, you mean the catalog rep for Amazon? You were, uh, no, it was just a, you know, the, the, uh, seller support, just a standard seller okay. support okay. number. And, you know, and it, it was some, somebody overseas, no big deal, but you mm -hmm. know, but they were literally clueless. Like, how are you going to help me? If I know more than you, I can walk, you know, I have to walk you through the interface. I have to yeah. tell you what to put on the ticket. I mean, like that, that's, uh, you know, training, I think was more of a priority when I was there. And since I've left, they've sacrificed that that's been this, the squeaky wheel that's not getting the grease. Um, and I like how you said you had to walk them through. So this is like kind of a slice of my day. I get on calls with account managers who have not been trained ad adequately or at all in some cases on seller performance stuff or on listing suspensions or on account suspensions. I'm on calls with clients and the account manager and I'm telling them how to escalate stuff internally. I mean, I haven't been there for a few years. They should have A, been trained on that before they even started being an account manager I mean, these people are, you know, you're paying for an account manager. Some people, a lot of our clients are paying five grand a month for an account manager. And they just tell you to open up an SAS ticket and maybe that generates a response that has something to do with anything. 
or maybe it's just a generic copy and paste. Well, usually it's just the same stuff you'd get from support or like you said, nowadays from seller performance. This isn't the right information. You committed an infraction, no discernible reason why you're even reading that response. It wasn't even worth sending, let's be honest. So, but, but internal escalations are a different ball game now. Account managers, account managers can't do as much as they did before because they don't have as much visibility into what's going on with your account. They don't have as much access into seller performance teams that they used to because of the past abuses that we were talking about. Yeah, and, and which so is- I'm coaching them. I mean, first of all, I was yeah. never an account manager. I was seller performance. I wasn't ever a SAM, a strategic account manager. Secondly, why am I training them on what, why is Amazon de-emphasizing training to the degree that people are on a call with their own seller and they can't offer any assistance? I mean, that makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and honestly, I mean, it's a, it, it's an absolute travesty and kind of a joke that people are paying for an account manager and literally getting, you know, not getting the service that they're paying for. I mean, I remember when they launched, I mean, you know, sometimes they, they do, but no, I'm sure I, I'm, not there, <laughs> there are benefits. No, no, I'm yeah. not saying there's no benefits, but right. I mean, the fact that you're actually, you know, these giant, you know, generally it's larger brands cause they have the money to pay mm-hmm. these, you know, account managers and you know, to me, it's like, if you go to a different platform, right, they're begging for you to be on that, to bring them that business, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, throw all kinds of stuff at you. And that's how Amazon used to be. And and to me, it's, it's so counterintuitive to me yeah. that they don't still operate in that manner, because why wouldn't you take care of, I think it was the stat is what, uh, only f- uh, 5% of brands on Amazon make more than a million in sales a year. I think it's right around there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right. honestly, the investment in, in, you know, providing that 5% with an account manager seems like a no brainer, um, you know, but then I guess they figure, you know, Hey, they're not going anywhere. Like I said, they're, they they're getting 90% of our business, you know, yeah. where are they going to go? Ha ha ha. And honestly, I think that's why so many sellers on Amazon, <clears throat> excuse me, are, are so frustrated because they literally can see right in front of their face that Amazon's like, we don't care about you, you know? And to me, that's why yeah. that's where the real displacement, I think, you know, somebody has an opportunity there. Walmart has failed to, you know, to me, Walmart should have, if I was Walmart, I would have courted very few sellers, but had a, a super strategic onboarding where it's mm-hmm. like a white glove. I would go after that 5% on Amazon, say, we want your brand. We're going to put all your products online. We're going to work with you. You're going to have free labor. You know, you're going to have a, a dedicated oh, yeah. account manager. I mean, that's how they, they missed their window. Honestly, I think they missed their window and now they're just scrambling to catch up. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the so. Walmart interface is even worse than Amazon's, which I didn't think was possible. You know I mean? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. yeah. If anybody from Amazon wants to hire me to, to help you guys with your, your onboarding, let me know, because I'm pretty sure I could, I could, I could do a, a slightly better job of, of what's going on right now. I mean, because... Yeah. What we, what we spend a lot of time coaching sellers on obviously strategy, not just like, here's how you write a plan of action. I mean, there's a lot of info, basic info out there, but bring your best appeal, your strongest material to the table, knowing that even a good appeal might be rejected. So do not, in other words, rephrase, do not give them any opportunity to reject an appeal, find any weak spot, have your best writer, your best communicator involved in that process. I don't know. It's different for big companies versus small, but just make sure you bring your A game every time because you know, if you fail a certain number of times, then they don't even respond anymore. And you spend half your time just trying to get them to review it again or getting them to respond. 
you can call account health service reps. You can talk to them. They may not, not know what's going on. They may have some denial notes. They might say it hasn't been reviewed yet. But the bottom line is we're still seeing what we're spending most time with our clients talking about is the quality of their appeal. We still see people writing really long ones or really muddy, hard to read ones or badly formatted ones. And it's just like, those days are over. <laughs> if they see anything that looks remotely in the wrong format, wordy, extraneous, unrelated content, too long, jumbled up, doesn't make sense, they throw it away. They do not waste their time on that. So there's no way you can afford, I mean, if you're losing thousands a day or a week because your top selling ASIN is down or your whole account is down, I mean, most people we work with cannot risk just losing this business forever. So apply that interest in getting the best written, best composed appeal in front of them because you don't want to hand on a platter a good excuse for them to skip it or throw it away. Yeah, when, when we were going through that that cycle of our ASIN, you know, being <laughs> suppressed and then trying to, you know, like I said, I think it was 21 days it took them to finally oh, get boy. our product back up. But yeah. yeah, it was, it was. I mean, we probably lost, uh, you know, 20 to 30,000 net just on mm -hmm. those few weeks because it's, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a holiday product. So yeah, it was extremely frustrating. And, and like I said, th this is not the first time that we've lost, you know, if you're talking about, you know, Amazon policy costing us money, you know, we're mm -hmm. probably in the, in the well, you know, six figures, at least probably two to $300,000. I could easily pull out that, you know, from suppressed products, from, you know, hijacking from, you know, easily probably more. Yeah. Um, so it's worth like, sometimes people show me stuff and I tell them right away to start escalating it. Like, Oh, you're never going to fix it like that. Yeah. They'll say, well, we did a POA and they tell me what they've been doing for seven, eight, nine, 10 days. And I'm like, yeah, that was a total waste of your time. You're on, yeah. the, you're on the wrong path. Sometimes it's easy for me in like 30 minutes or even 15 minutes just to look at something and say, you know, stop what you're doing, flip it around, reverse, right. do this a completely different way, escalate it to a totally different place, but change your strategy fundamentally. I don't care what support told you. That's why I chuckled at the seller support reference at the beginning of this, because we spend so much, so little time, I should say, with seller support. They give such awful advice or they just send you down the wrong road. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, I love getting to the problem early in the process. You know, if you're stuck early on, just show it to me because I can just yeah. tell you like, disregard what account told yeah, you. Yeah, well, the other, the other problem too is they took away friggin' seller performance email address. You can't even contact seller performance know, wrong anymore. Wrong channel for the appeal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an absolute, you know, ludicrous. it's just, it's yeah, absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. So Chris, you, 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 you've got me on a good subject that I think will serve our audience well in terms of like, give me kind of an outline of, you know, say your account's been suspended. Give me mm -hmm. a, you know, best practice in terms of, you know, if, if people can't afford to hire you or they're maybe early on or something, you know, yeah. what's, what, what's best, best practice that, you know, people can take if they have to write an appeal. Yeah, if you're writing a plan of action and you don't have enough information, start by gathering as much information as you possibly can on, let's say, what the nature of the complaints were, whether they're item condition or item quality complaints. You sold as new slash inauthentic. Those are, you know, a high percentage of the ones we deal with. So if you can't get it from voice of the customer, negative feedback, wording of return reasons, wording of the feedback or claims and voice of the customer, if you can't, do that research and dig it out there. I mean, don't expect Amazon to put it in the messaging when they take your account down, right? They want you to research it. Call account health services, figure out what the nature of the complaints were. Why do I say that and emphasize that? I want you to make sure you get the root causes 
much, much better than what I see on the average day. A lot of sellers don't realize that if they mess up the root causes, which is like the first box, the first part of the appeal in the appeal form, they, the, the investigators don't read all the wonderful information that you may have put below it. If they think you didn't get the root causes right, they probably assume that the rest of your POA answers problems that, that aren't the root causes. So it isn't worth their time. And root causes aren't what went wrong. Uh, that's what a lot of people say, you know, just for shorthand, what, what do you put in that box? They already know what went wrong. They, they need new information from you. They need analysis and interpretation from you why those complaints came in, how the problem resulted in those complaints or tumbled down to the point where people were complaining in batches or clusters, right? A lot of this is looking at information annotated on your account, automated annotations of buyer complaints perhaps, but don't just say you suspended me because of inauthentic complaints because buyers complained about the quality of the items, done. That's like due to what? Right. Take it a step further, complete that thought. And so that's kind of one thing I've been harping on lately with people is you showed me root causes in a draft that you put together. And I, you know, I do one hour consults. Those people aren't hiring us to do it. We're just coaching them and consulting them on the quality of their POA. I always spend a lot of time on the root causes because I still see people missing the point and starting off on the wrong foot. And then it's like the odds that somebody reads that all the way through are really nil at that point. Yeah, that, so, I think, I mean, I'm no expert, but from what yeah. I've seen over the years, it seems like number one, the appeals are too long, right? These people don't mm -hmm. want to read three paragraphs, Meandering. right? Meandering. Yeah, yeah so that, that's one of the big issues. I, the other issue I see is not falling on the sword, right? Not admitting, you know, blaming something else or some, you know, oh, the ship station wasn't working that they don't right. care about that. They could care less because once again, their end result or their, their want is customer satisfaction, right? They don't care how they get it. They don't care, you know, the, you know, oh, it was, we had a snowstorm today. You know, right. you can maybe get a little wiggle room on that, but honestly, they want you to fall on the sword and tell them why, you know, how or why this won't happen again. In the rest of the POA, I think people are aware that they have to fall on their sword more now than a few years ago, but they're falling on their sword the wrong way. They're just putting, I apologize for this. Okay, that doesn't really say anything. It's fine to apologize. That's one sentence. What about the rest of it? Right. Or saying, you know, we made mistakes. They want a diagnostic. You made mistakes how? Why weren't they caught earlier? You made mistakes due to what? That's what I mean when I say like make the root causes a diagnostic section. It's not that difficult. It's not so much of a mental leap from this happened. It was bad. It went wrong. Okay, why did it happen? Just take apart the problem. You're probably doing that anyway to identify the solutions as you would on any business problem, right? Whether for your own website or on some other platform, that's really all this is. It's like a due diligence exercise. Well, we figured out what had to be fixed. We figured out why it broke. Um, we lacked oversight over the team that was responsible for the software we were using and therefore some items ship late, whatever it is, performance policy. We lacked oversight over the suppliers we were using. We didn't inspect, we didn't have good enough quality control. Just explain that, you know, finish that thought, explain that a little more. Well, we didn't have a dedicated employee responsible for it. It's not enough to say we take full responsibility. We're sorry. That's what a lot of people are doing to fall on their sword. And that's, that's all they're saying. They're not taking it to the next uh, step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I, I recently, we recently, our account got uh, uh, nabbed for seller, um, for seller fulfilled prime. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they had a new, I, I think it was like small and light or something like that. And, um, I didn't realize when we implemented it that, uh, you, it, there was a price limit, which I was like, who, you know, small and light, as long as the product's mm-hmm. small and light, like what does the price matter? Right. Mm-hmm. But I guess they're probably looking at it from a fee standpoint or something. I don't know, right. but I didn't realize that. And we enabled our whole catalog that we had that we normally sell or fulfill anyway. Uh, cause we, you know, we could do that. We had the, the capability to do it and, and we ended up, you know, getting nabbed on it. And, you know, my response was, Hey, you know, I didn't read the implementation documentation as, you know, as well as I should have, you know, Mm -hmm. next time we're going to deploy it to like one product to make sure that we can test to make sure that we understand the process completely. And, you know, I'm just using that as an example where, you know, flip, you know, flip it to the Amazon side. If you were Amazon, if you owned Amazon and, you know, customer satisfaction was your primary concern you know, what are you expecting to hear? You know, you have a meeting, you know, you're, you're a busy entrepreneur, just like you really are, you know, you've got something to go to. So keep it short, concise, deconstruct it, all those kinds of things. Um, is that pretty much on point, Chris? I, I think they need to get back to the basics in terms of don't overpromise and underdeliver. If they're going to tell you, you're going to have an answer in two or three days, unless it's emergency mission critical, we won't be here in three days. Most sellers are patient and willing to wait but make sure you deliver in two or three days and not just a canned generic response. Um, if it's going to be thoroughly researched, if they'll have a quality answer in three days, then go ahead and make the promise. Otherwise don't do that. At the same time, I don't think they should say it'll take seven to 10 days either. Right, but right. promising things that they, you know, they have support reps making tons of promises that nobody backs up. I mean, that's what really undermines the trust and the faith in the marketplace or the teams managing it to the point where you see, you see it, I know from some of your experiences and you know that I'm you know, used to it. So I see it and it doesn't maybe drive me as crazy as the average seller, but you see that anyone who thoughtfully went through all of these teams, how they operate, who's managing them, like you might see with a new CEO, for example, would identify so many flaws that they'd almost say, rip, rip it up and start again, or, go chunk by chunk and every month we're going to improve the tools and the teams that are responsible for fixing these problems. But no one, no high level manager, VP, so forth, S team executive would look at what's going on now and say, this is okay the way it is. We only need minor tweaks. Yeah. And I honestly think, yeah, I don't honestly think the polls that they have on the seller central dashboard are worthless. What would be a better poll would be, you know, you know, what, what current interface or what tool on the dashboard currently does not work well for you? You know, it's like, what should we concentrate on next? Should it be the PPC dashboard? Should it be, you know, the listing, like, you know, to me, that's actually, you know, actually useful in terms of like taking actionable steps to fix some of the major blaring issues. You know, I, I I already know if seller support would be, yeah. yeah, if seller support was on that list, I know that that would be the first choice every single mm-hmm. time because yeah. you know if 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 sellers get roadblocked then that's the biggest frustration right i know early on i used to like you know in the past when we have products taken down i, I would i would lose it you know i'd want to punch holes in the wall and i've yeah. finally gotten to the point now where i go you know what that does nothing what can we do instead to be proactive right like the, that's really w- what it comes down to when dealing with amazon is you're going to get frustrated you're going to get pissed off you just have to accept that and figure out what else you can do to make the issue better Honestly, I mean, high level, high revenue level, long-term brands that are doing a lot of business on Amazon that have been there for a while, 
they listen at least occasionally to those people, those sellers. So if you can somehow <laughs> finagle them into backing up like, and there are some large sellers that have been around for a while that do go to bat for the seller community. And, and they do have Amazon's ear, at least to an extent. What they're missing usually, and that's what they come to us for is, I've got a great relationship for, with my category manager, but there's not enough synergy between my account manager, my category manager, teleperformance and me. Like we're four, four points on the square, but we're not getting it done on all four quadrants of the square. That's where the needle needs to move. So they have a good relationship maybe with the account manager, but no relationship with the category. And they're a huge player in the category. They could be doing millions per month. Um, category managers do come and go. Sometimes account managers do as well. That's another thing. It's, it's too much turnover. Yeah. But those are the sellers that need to say, look, we love Amazon. We're not leaving. Um, we want to help. We'll fill out your surveys, but show us some sign that, you know, it's not just us. It's not just my problem. There are tens of thousands of sellers dealing with the same thing. Um, yeah, I was just about to say that that's spot on is do it, fill out the surveys people. I mean, I know it's mm -hmm. a pain and normally I don't fill out surveys, but for Amazon, I do because it's part of your business, right? Like if you fill out the, the surveys and let seller, you know, let them know what they need to work on. It's going to be yeah. better for everyone. I know that I, a few years ago, uh, they, the, uh, I, I spoke to one of the high level people at, uh, that was working on the, on the new PVC dashboard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, and you know, I have my own PVC tool. I said, you're probably going to steal business from me, but you know, these are the essentials that you need to nail in order for people to spend more money on your platform. You know, they yeah. don't, you know, the, the, there's some such basic stuff that, that you're not offering that go look at AdWords, you know, that, I mean, you know, just a few things there. Yeah, that you guys yeah, can, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the just, fact that you still adopt. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. The fact that you still can't go through, like, I can't go through the lifetime uh, of my campaigns. You know, I can only go to like 60 days and, you know, it's just like these limitations that are super frustrating. They are working on it. It's much better. It's so mm -hmm. much better. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, I think eventually said, they'll turn the corner. They have to be willing to listen. I mean, I know sellers that have gone to Seattle and shown them lots of data, lots of examples, and, and they're listening to an extent, but they have to listen with interest for the purpose of taking action. They can't just be a soundboard. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chris. So we, once again, I, I, whatever I do a big bitch fest at Amazon, which I, <laughs> I've sort of done again, mm -hmm. um, you know, I still think there's tons of opportunity there. I think that, you know, if you're still working a nine to five job, there's still so much opportunity on Amazon. Um, you know, like Chris was saying though, you really, you know, even more so now than ever, you really have to learn the platform, um, you know, with doing the podcast like this, that's what I'm trying to help you guys with. There's so many free resources. Now, when I started, there was literally nothing. I think, uh, Amazon selling machine had just started to come out. Um, and you know, s some of those courses, which really now you don't, nowadays you really don't need them. I'd say, you know, you're better off investing in uh, coaching or like more of a mastermind thing than any type of training. Get the training for free online podcasts, all those things. Get the basics down. Um, you know, we just, did this. I just started a seller performance podcast, by the way. Just launched it today. So. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where can people find it? Yeah. So seller performance solutions. Uh, maybe I'll just, I'll have you link to the first episode or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. When we publish the episode, let me know. And we'll, and then uh, we'll link I'll, out to it. Your listeners for the next 30 days, um, you, can, you can book an hour consult with me for the price of a half hour. So cool. All right. I've got a, I've got a code. Well, to sell a round table code, but okay. Yeah. I'll so, give you that. Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Chris. Thanks. Um, so in terms of, uh, we got, we got a question from Mike. He said, how often are seller accounts, uh, 
hijacked and what should sellers uh do when that happens so does he mean the listings themselves are taken over by another party with with uh you know flat yeah, i'm not sure hey, chris, or, yeah chris do you mean like a specific listing like a listing or, like hijacking or the entire account the, the entire account thing shouldn't be happening much anymore now that they've forced people to two-factor off yeah. Um, that should be ha happening a lot less now. Happens but... a lot less. It still happens, but you know that's yeah. just basic security. You know, don't, right? Don't fall prey to phishing emails. Yeah. Listing exactly. hijackings are interesting. I don't know. The word hijack, by the way, gets misused. The way Amazon views it is somebody took over your whole listing, and they made changes to it, and you're the private label brand, and you have no control over your own listing. To Amazon, that's what hijack means. In the seller community, it often means. I've got hijackers on my listing. I can usually tell how the emails are phrased when they come to me. Right. They mean they're resell, so-called resellers on their listings. Right, right. There's somebody stealing the buy box. Yeah, something um, like that. So, so yeah. I actually discourage people from using the term hij, you know, with Amazon itself because they'll totally misinterpret what you're trying to do. Yeah, Mike was saying it, the account. Um, account compromises. I yeah, I mean they less. still happen. There's a password reset process if you're not hearing back from seller support. This is another reason why it's such a tragedy that, like you said, the seller performance email queues have been sealed off for everyday stuff. Um, that's what people used to do. They used to write emails to seller performance. Hey, I opened a ticket with support to reset my password. It stalled. It got closed. It's been a few days. People, that's something where people are actually hiring us, which, you know, um, you're talking about at least a few grand to get us in to solve a problem with escalation emails. That wasn't even necessary. I mean, that's something where Amazon can just make it so that if your account's compromised and running through the initial password reset process doesn't work, or they're in the process of sanitizing your account and they haven't finished it yet and you have to jumpstart them a little bit, you should be able to send an email to seller performance or call in to account health reps and say, what's the, what's the holdup? Or open a ticket with seller support. Like, why is that so difficult? I can't yeah. explain Okay. Yeah, Mike, I, I don't know if you're currently going through that, but I mean, you know, in the yeah. past, Amazon has always discouraged you for, from opening multiple tickets. Uh, but honestly, I, I have to say that's not true. <laughs> and they might hate me for saying that. But, you know, what I will do is uh, if my issue isn't getting solved uh, uh, for seller support, I will go through and, you know, open multiple tickets in multiple categories that are relevant to my issue. So I might open, if it's like a listing issue, I'll open one with the catalog team. Good idea. And I might go in back and open one up with, uh, you know, general account help. Because what will happen is, is just like any major large company, you'll get people who just hit the reply with the template. And then you'll get the few, you know, after the third or fourth ticket that you open, you'll get the one person who's actually like, uh, I want to do my job and, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. will actually help you. So, um, um, uh, just getting ready in case. So that, like, like we were saying, that really doesn't happen much anymore, Mike. Uh, just make sure you have two-factor authentication on, which just means like your cell phone number that they send you a code to, to log in. Um, the other thing is that, you know, Amazon and all these other large companies now are looking at a lot of different factors. So it's really, really hard for people to hijack accounts. Now they're looking at IP addresses and locations. Yeah. I mean, people can still use VPNs and things, but they're also looking at things like your, you know, browser, your browser version, what extensions you, I mean, there's all these fingerprints that they can use now to track you, which is terrifying, but that's well, how they don't... can keep you away from getting yeah. hijacked. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, I, had, I had one tip. Um, the email address you use as the primary email associated with your seller account, don't use it for anything else. Don't have it out in the world. Don't have it known. Don't have it as the customer support email on your website. Make it dedicated to your Amazon account so that somebody else can't target it. 
Um, sounds basic, sounds simple, but I, I'm still hearing from a lot of sellers that are using the same email address for all kinds of stuff. And yep. it's just dangerous to do that. Yeah, and the other thing you can do too is just use a very complex email that can't be brute forced and also mm -hmm. not share it. You know, just get a Gmail with like, you know, super long Something Gmail with random strings. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because then brute forcing, if you got if you guys don't know what brute force is, it's a computer that literally will just try different combinations over and over again. Once again, you know, these services are getting good at detecting that and 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 deterring it. Uh, but it can still happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, those are just some of the things you you should look at. Now, Marina saying that brand registry support is much better than regular seller support. Absolutely. Uh, but once again, it, it gets out, right? Like, it's just like when the captive team got out, when Jeff at Amazon got out, once people know where they can go to get actual support for seller yeah. support, everybody floods it, then they shut it down. Um, so it's, unfortunately, it's whack-a-mole. And I don't think we're ever going to get back to the point where you can actually call somebody on the phone to Amazon that will actually, you know, help you, you know, in a, in a, expedited manner you might get help in a week not or two with brand but... registry yeah i mean we haven't seen brand registry stay as relevant and useful as it had been in the beginning but yeah yeah i mean the, the only thing that's been really uh really helpful for us is um the what is it called not clear uh it's the one where you can take down uh people off your listing uh, oh the ip um the notification the infringement tool yeah, the that infringement one. tool that mm -hmm. that and believe it or not, people, that was a huge improvement. I mean, that time that where oh, I said yeah. that early on, we got hijacked for the entire Q4. We could have gone in and used that tool and, and been back up in like 10 minutes. So there are automation and there are tools that they can build. Uh, but once again, I just think that they need a little a little bit more human oversight on that. But, um, you know, like Chris was saying with Andy, the new CEO, hopefully that we can, you know, we'll see, we'll see some uh, changes for the positive. Um, even if it is machine, you know, implemented, he might be a master at that and figure out how to, you know, actually give sellers great support with automation, which I'm fine mm -hmm. with. As long as the problem gets solved, I could care less, right? Yeah, right, exactly, I agree. All right, Chris. Well, we we've uh, we've we filled it just about our hour. So thank you so much for being on. Once again, let people know how they can get a, get in touch with you. Your website, uh, your, you know, if you yep. want to share your social, any of that, let people know. Yeah. So I mean, well, the the Facebook group is Amazon Seller First Class. Um, the website is e-commerce Chris. And if you need to email me directly, it's Chris C H R I S at e-commerce Chris. Um, and we'll have the offer for the next month for any of your listeners to half off the one hour. So. One hour initial consults, um, not so expensive in a good way to kind of give you some strategy points, dissect a couple of uh, causes and, and, and talk about solid responses you can send into Amazon that'll be meaningful to them if they don't review it. We can always talk escalations for half an hour, it's up to you. Yeah, the other cool thing is when you know if you jump on a call with Chris, he could actually probably give you some preemptive stuff too. Like you know, mm -hmm. if, if your listings get taken down and stuff, he can kind of help you maybe have a plan of action, uh, you know, before it happens, so that you know if it does, you don't have to try to scramble and find somebody to to help you. You can you know maybe implement what what he's giving you on that on that call. So um, you know, I I know that a lot of people like when they when they book me sometimes like wow that's really expensive, but then when they're done, they're like wow man you just saved me. <laughs> like one of my clients, uh, you know, was like man you right. saved me literally thousands of dollars because I didn't know of, about any of this stuff. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's worth yeah. uh, getting on with the experts uh, and, and really getting stuff nailed down. I agree. I mean, most of the time we're working with people who are losing thousands a day or a week at least. So, right. so um, the, the invest, yeah, the investments, you're cutting the timeline, you're cutting your, your revenue losses by, by bringing us in sooner. I mean, 
I implore everyone not to wait until their sixth or seventh or eighth appeal before they contact us because that's a whole other can of worms and a whole other problem. Yeah, um, you've lost their attention at that point. So, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Chris, thank you so much, everybody who's joined us uh, in the live uh, uh, call today. Uh, mm -hmm. thank you guys so much. We love having you here to get your uh, questions. If you guys haven't joined us, we do this live every uh, Tuesday at 1 PM. You can join us in the zoom call, be part of the podcast, be part of, uh, when we do live, uh, we love having you guys in here because then we can actually get uh, great questions from you guys. So thank you for everybody who's been in here. Um, as usual, you can rate review, subscribe on all the major pla uh, podcast platforms. Thank you guys so much for all of you who've done that. Uh, we just got another great review. So really thank you guys for that. Uh, look out for Chris's uh, podcast coming to you soon. We'll uh, let you guys know when that is. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you. All right. We'll see everybody on the seller podcast next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.